Today's episode of Found Down is brought to you by Unwound Retreats. Unwound Retreats offers fun events and travel experiences for nurses locally and internationally. Founded by me, Nicole Johnson, ICU nurse and host of the Found Down podcast, I provide opportunities for nurses to practice self-care, learn, and travel together. These last two years have been brutal in healthcare, and why not give yourself the gift to unwind, learn, and grow? Previous guests have loved the experiences, especially because you can just show up and know that everything will be taken care of. Unwound Retreats is offering exciting and luxurious retreats in Morocco and Mexico. Go over to unwoundretreats.com and sign up to get on the email list so you can find out more. Hey there, this is Nicole, the host and producer of the Found Down podcast. Woo, today's episode's a good one. I interview Shannon Miller, an ICU travel nurse and Man, you gotta, if you wanna learn about that travel nurse life, this is a great episode. But before I get into anything, I just want to say the Morocco trip is live. Listen, if you are a nurse and you wanna go to Morocco this fall, Unmount Retreats, my self care for healthcare business for nurses, is has launched officially the Morocco retreat in uh, this fall. People are already signing up, and I am so excited. This is like Morocco is a place where it's, you can have nothing but a transformational experience. It's really intoxicatingly beautiful, and we are going to have an adventure, a spiritual journey, and also do some serious self-care after the year that we have had. So please go to unwomenretreats.com and check it out. You really don't want to miss this opportunity. Okay, now I want to talk about our amazing sponsor, Nicole Kupchik, CNS Educator. You know, she offers the Found and listeners 20% off all of her Zoom courses, online classes, and her educational books. Again, I've talked about it before. I've really enjoyed growing my practice, and I plan to do some more education. And you can do it at your own pace, and that's really cool. And you can get CEs as well. So, I really can't say enough great things about Nicole. She's been such a great supporter of the show. And also, BT Dubs, you want to stay in the loop with what she's doing because she's also going to be hosting a nurse's retreat in in Mexico this January of 2022. So if you want to go over to Nicole Kupchuk's website, NicoleKupchukConsulting.com, you can use the coupon code FOUNDDOWN20 to get 20% off all products. That's FOUNDDOWN20 at checkout. All right. Thanks so much for tuning in. This is a great episode. Thanks for all of your support. I really couldn't do this without you. So with no further ado, here you go. Welcome to the Found Down Podcast. This is a podcast of untold nursing stories that are sometimes hilarious, dark, insane, and anything in between. As a warning, this show is rated E and is mature in content. It often deals with the reality of life and death and how we as nurses intersect with that on a regular basis. If we laugh, it's not out of disrespect. We love what we do and have every intention of continuing to do so. With that, enjoy the show. Well, hello and welcome to the Found Down Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Johnson, and today I'm so stoked because I'm talking to Shannon Miller, an ICU travel nurse, and we're going to talk to her about her nursing career path, travel nursing, what that's been like during this last year, um, and anything else that comes up. So, But before we get into any of that, hi, Shannon, welcome to the show, and how are you? Like, really? <laughs> Hi, Nicole. Thank you for having me on. I'm super excited to be here, too. My first podcast, so I'm excited. Yay! 
Um, I'm feeling better. Um, and I, I say that as I finish my last week of my fifth travel nurse contract with no plans to go back to full-time work in the next maybe month or two. So I'm like facing a serious break, which is really exciting. That's awesome. Um, do you mind sharing with the people out there? Like why, <laughs> why you want to, why you need to do that or what's, what's oh, up? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, totally. Oh, uh, well, you know, share as much as you want. No worries. Yeah. If- yeah. You know, I, next month will mark six years working in ICU and I've been a nurse for seven. And so I feel like the, the way that I used to love, like managing and resuscitating critically ill patients and kind of getting that adrenaline rush from all of that. I don't feel that anymore. When I go to work in the ICU, I more feel, sometimes I feel some sense of dread. Sometimes I feel I, that I, like I have to dissociate from what's actually happening, like the work that I'm doing for my patients, because I'm having like an ethical dilemma on like keeping them alive versus mm-hmm. the quality of life they're going to have. So I'm just going to step away for a little while, at least from full time. I wouldn't be opposed to maybe like a per diem, excuse me, a per diem situation. But yeah, I'm going to, I think the, I think the 36 or more hours a week, because I've done some overtime a little bit the last couple of weeks has just really done a number on me and I'm tired and I'm mentally exhausted. And, you know, the, the word burnout gets tossed around all the time, especially in healthcare. But um, I'm feeling that. And um, the other word that I heard for it is moral injury. And I thought oh. that that was really fitting mm-hmm. because I do feel like it's maybe like some sort of level that's a little different than what I thought burnout was. Cause I feel like I've been burnt out before and I take a vacation and I come back and I'm like, yeah, that's great. I don't necessarily feel that anymore. It's more like all encompassing. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So a break and I've been thinking about what I might do if I decide not to do ICU nursing full-time anymore. So that's something I haven't really figured out, but I would like to spend some time doing some soul searching about it. Yeah. Understandable. That is so understandable, especially after this year. I mean, our jobs were hard enough before this pandemic rolled around, right? And everything got a lot more intense in everyone's personal lives, right? And then being in the thick of it, I mean, everything just got way more complex. Um, So I completely understand why you would feel that way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope that you take a break, a long break, as long as you can, truly. Because I think once, you know, it takes like a few weeks to even like, I don't know. I would, yeah, take as long as you can, for sure. (laughs) I endorse it. That's the goal. We'll Um, see how long financially I could do it. We'll see. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you talk just briefly about your nursing path? I want to know or that you've been a nurse for seven years and an ICU nurse for six. Like, can you talk about your nursing career path? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually a second degree nurse. My first degree is in history, which was super great. I graduated after six years of changing my major a million times and finally landed on a history degree. And I was like, okay, mom and dad, I got a degree. Like you wanted me to. Right. I still work at Trader Joe's though, so I don't know what you expected from me. <laughs> so I, um, a week later, I moved from San Francisco to New York City, and I still worked at Trader Joe's, but I went back to school 
to do prerequisites for nursing. I had just like felt like I'd had these roommates in college. One was pre-nursing, one was in nursing school. I thought all the things they were studying were really exciting. And I was like, I'm going to do that. I have like no experience with any healthcare. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be a nurse. Great. (laughs) (laughs) So I went back and I took gen chem and anatomy and physiology and ochem and psych and all those things you're supposed to take. And I uh, really thought I wasn't going to make it because I was going to fail chemistry class. Like I got a C and I passed and I was like, okay, moving on. Um, And then I applied to three uh, like city or state schools in New York and I got waitlisted and then denied the other two. So I was like, kind of like, oh God, like, what do I do? And I ended up applying to the school that I went to, which is Pace University, which is private. Mm -hmm. And um, it was expensive, but I went and it was an 11 month accelerated program for a BSN. So (gasps) three semesters and I did like 15 or 16 credits per semester. Oh my gosh. I, I mean, I, I got out of it alive, but I would, I would probably say it was hell on earth and I wouldn't recommend that sort of program to somebody unless you're really willing to sacrifice everything else in your life. So yeah, it was really stressful and I don't know, I made it through, I think just by the skin of my teeth, but it was rough. So um, that was, I was living on the East coast, graduated And then I really struggled to find work as a new grad. So I was applying all over like the tri-state area, but I only had a New York, you know, I only had a New York state license at the time. So my first job actually was as a summer camp nurse, (laughs) which was really fun. That's Uh, fun. Yeah. I actually, once I started travel nursing, I was like, oh, I could probably do summer camp nursing now because I could take whatever time and go do something different. So I've, I don't think I'll do it this year, but it's something I've definitely considered for like the future because I did enjoy it. (laughs) But the thing I remember learning in nursing school was like, oh, you'll always have someone to ask questions to. You'll never be alone. Well, listen, my first job was as a summer camp nurse, and I was the only medical professional on site all summer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, cool. I don't know anything about anything, but here we are. Luckily, it was Girl Scouts, so it was like my, my uh, campers were 7 to 17-year-old healthy girls. So like, like my biggest incident all summer was – um, one of the older girls was at pocket knife training and she's lacerated her thumb. <laughs> I was like, oh, shoot. Okay. Um, I think I'm going to call like a prompt care and somebody's got a driver to like the urgent care because she definitely needs stitches. <laughs> so we did that. I called her mom. Luckily, her mom was a nurse practitioner and she was like, oh, yeah, she's probably fine. She's pretty clumsy. <laughs> that is so funny. Yeah. I love this. I yeah. love that so much. I bet that was really fun. Yeah, it was really fun. A little scary because you're like, please, God, don't let anything um, serious happen. No, Nobody hit their head or yes. whatever. But um, you did the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it was it was good. I mean, I, I definitely had support because like I had, you know, the other administrators for camp who had run camps before. So we all had each other to lean on for whatever. But yeah, they were, none of them were healthcare providers. So I was like, OK, well. I, she she needs something I can't give her, so she's got to go somewhere. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was fun. So I finished that at the end of that summer, and then I actually moved to Nevada after that to be closer to home. And I started my first hospital job doing. Yeah, I was a I was a surgical like surgical floor nurse, like a med surge floor, but mm-hmm. mostly surgical. And I did that for about nine months, and then I transferred to the trauma ICU after that, and I 
just remember thinking working in Nevada was really hard because there was no such thing as like taking a break when people were actually covering your patients. And like, there's no nurse to patient ratio. So what I had, right. So I had this night on the, because I was a night shift nurse. I was a new grad. I love to tell Nevada horror stories. So I hope you're ready. Okay. I'm ready. <laughs> and the listeners are ready too. <laughs> no, I, I, this was like 2015. So this was a while ago. I, um, I, I went to work and I, I call it the night of nine because I, every single shift that week I'd had eight patients under my care on a med search floor. And there were only five nurses on the whole floor taking care of like 50 patients. It was insane. And I wow. remember there was an open bed and my charge that night who also had a full load of patients came up and he was like, it was like two o'clock in the morning. He was like, I have to admit you a patient. And I was like, Oh my God, are you serious? And he was like, it's a continuous bladder irrigation. And I was like, Oh my no. God. Oh my God. So like, I don't know. No, people listening might not know this, but a continuous bladder irrigation, you have to go in and assess the patient's like color of their urine constantly to make sure you're like irrigating properly. So um, aside from having eight other patients I'm caring for, I'm admitting a guy who I have to be in his room constantly. So he was my ninth patient. He was my admit. I think I stayed in charted until nine 30 or 10 in the morning. Like people were coming on like, like, nurse practitioners from other services going like, aren't you a night shift nurse? And I was just like, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> and then I went home and I cried. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the level, I mean, God, the level of responsibility. Cause you're like, you don't want anything to go sideways. And those freaking bladder irrigations, you know, like someone needs that they're, they potentially could clot off their urine. Right. And that's like, exactly. a, a Anyway, it's super complex to have <sighs> on top of, oh my gosh, yeah. eight other patients. That's insane. It was a little rough. I remember they were recruiting. So the IC started recruiting from in-house. So they were recruiting nurses from the floor and from telemetry. And I guess my manager had, you know, recommended me. And I was like, they called me and they're like, hey, do you want to come work in the ICU? I was like, how many patients do you take care of there? And they were like, two. And I was like, yes, I do. I would like to come there. <laughs> Meanwhile, obviously, I mean, I'd never bet, I'd never really had good critical care experience even in school because my time there was so short. Yeah. So I didn't even know like ventilators and vasoactive meds. Like I knew nothing. I was like, just get me out of this situation that I'm in. And this was the next opportunity that presented itself. I like never dreamed of being an ICU nurse. And then all of a sudden I was one and I was, I was like, I'm going to figure this out. And it was terrifying, but it was also, I mean, I learned a lot and I'm still doing it, but it was a wild ride. <laughs> that sounds like a wild ride. Um, did you, just as, as an aside, did you like your sort of onboarding experience? Like, do you feel like you got a good foundation? Um, so I got eight weeks of orientation as a, as like a floor nurse. And then I got eight weeks of orientation as an ICU nurse and on the floor, maybe that was fine. I was, I was okay. I asked a lot of questions. I was nervous all the time in the ICU. I thought eight weeks was really short. You know, they put us out there and they would try to give us the lower acuity patients early on and put you in like scenarios where you'd be nearby the sick patients and the more experienced nurses so that you could like help out and learn from that. But I, I don't really feel like I was adequately prepared once I left orientation. And I remember having, I mean, I had a lot of moments where I like cried in my patient's room or like felt like I just didn't even know what I didn't know. So I didn't, I wasn't sure what steps to take next. Yeah. Um, I mean, you can always, I mean, it is the ICU. It's not summer camp nursing. So you always have other nurses around and 
on, you know, providers and your manager or your charge or whatever. And so you'd have to lean on those people, but it was tough. I'd say a year into it, I was like, I kind of feel like I know what I'm doing most of the time, but even now, I mean, I'm about to hit six years and I still like get like imposter syndrome sometimes where I'm like, I don't know why anybody trusts me to do what I'm doing because this is crazy. <laughs> and like, I feel like people who don't work in intensive care, like just don't understand what that means necessarily. <laughs> yeah. They're like, okay, I'm going to do all these interventions and these things and like hope we, I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, that's a very normal feeling and you're definitely not alone. Yeah. Um, BT dubs, eight weeks is a short yeah. Short time. Yeah. We we do sixteen weeks, um, and have been doing sixteen weeks at least since two thousand and eight. Um, oh my god! Even ours yeah. is like still considered short compared to some. Yeah. So, and the, as you know, when once you're off, sorry to scare everybody out here, but <laughs> once you know, <laughs> the people need to know, Nicole. <laughs> You know, your patient can go sideways like any, like at any time. So, um, and then the scarier thing is that can also happen on the floor. Less likely, yeah. but anyway. So, yeah. um, kudos for you for making it through. And yeah. also, um, what, so how long have you been a travel nurse? Um, just over two years. Oh, cool. Yeah. And then, and can you tell me like why you decided to do that and like, um, how it's been? Totally. I, at some point in nursing school, I learned about travel nursing as an option. And I was like, what? That is me someday. So I was like, I mean, obviously you can't just go be a travel nurse when you graduate. So I was like, okay, like I got to go get a job. I got to like find a specialty. I got to like, whatever, get all my ducks in a row so I could be a travel nurse. It didn't, it didn't happen in the time frame. It happens for a lot of people where they're like, I got my one year experience. I'm going traveling. It was more like, that's something I'm going to do in the future when it works out for my life. So um, once I got, you know, a hospital job, transferred to the ICU, I felt like I was like getting good experience in the ICU. I wanted to be like, they always say like, if you want to be a travel nurse, you should be able to take the sickest patient on your unit and be totally fine or like mostly fine yeah. and comfortable doing that before you leave to travel nurse so that you, you know, when you're out in the world and you don't know the people that you're working with at some other hospital where you're on assignment, you kind of like, you know, you have a good base to start with. So instead of going straight to travel nursing, I ended up leaving that hospital in Nevada and going to work at a small hospital in Tahoe. And I did that for a couple of years. And that was a huge, huge adjustment coming from like this big medical center to this smaller community hospital. And, you know, the patients, like the patients just weren't that sick. It was a six bed ICU. It was really small and um, anything really sick usually just transferred right, right out of the ER and I wouldn't typically see it. So it was just, that was kind of an adjustment for me coming from taking some really sick people to being like, okay, another, you know, another COPD exacerbation. Here's another AFib RVR. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. <laughs> it feels like telemetry, but okay. Um, so... <laughs> I did that for a little while and I just, you know, I love that. I loved all the Tahoe people I work with. Like, oh man, I just love those people. I just, I didn't love the type of work really is what it mm-hmm. came down to. I just preferred, um, I just prefer working at like a bigger hospital than like a smaller community one when it comes down to it. So I, I actually went per diem there and I took my first assignment in um, a hospital in Oakland, California, down the Bay Area. And uh, just to like dip my toes in, I was a little nervous. I was like, well, I got this per diem you know, back at my like home hospital now. And so I'll try out travel life. And 
it was night shift um, and they worked eight hour shifts. So I worked the 11 to 7.30 in the morning shift, which was a strange, we did four of those a week. So that was kind of a strange oh. thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I did that and I made it 13 weeks and I was like, okay, all right. Um, the thing I, the thing about that job that was really interesting was that it was partnered with a hospital in Berkeley and travelers are the first to float often in contracts, but I didn't realize that like I was essentially float pool. So like I would go weeks at a time without seeing the inside of like my home ICU <laughs> and I would oh. work, I would work at the other hospitals ICU. I would work at IMCU or telemetry, whatever you want to call it. I would work medical surgical floors, oncology floors, and even acute inpatient rehab one time where my patients didn't even have IVs and there was no crash cart. And I was like, what do we do here? I don't understand. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, I don't know. You just give them their meds on hangouts. And I was like, okay, I could do that. So yeah, it was just like a whole new world to me. I was like, okay, I was used to these things here and I'm over in this new place and I'm just, you know, I'm figuring it out. And you know, what I was really grateful for actually. And I think if ICU nurses have never done anything besides ICU nursing, it can be kind of challenging sometimes out in traveling because I, I had a background doing floor nursing for nine or 10 months, whatever I did. Mm. So floating, you know, as much as as much as a lot of nurses like will really hate on floating, I don't mind it that much compared to some people. And I think it's because I have those sort of like those those types of skills, which are very different from ICU nurse skills, you know, yeah. like those time management skills on the floor where you have like five patients is a lot different than like one or two really critical patients. So it's not so bad for me anyway. I, I was just telling someone the other day, like if I floated to the floor, I, w- I would have a really hard time, right? I definitely need some like orientation, you know? Um, right. So, um, cause you don't have time to do the detailed stuff. You, will, you no. won't survive. And your patients aren't on monitors either. So, and like right. ICU nurses freak out a little bit because they're like, well, what do you mean? I can't like see my, I can't like see my patient's rhythm and rate all the time. And I'm like, you know, you go in with your Dynamap, you roll it in there yeah, and you do your vital signs. And I, that's you know, right. that's just that's how there's we do a, it out there. So <laughs> there's a lot of trust in thinking that you're or knowing that your patients are okay. And then the other thing that I think floor nurses have is they have a really good assessment skills. So like you can't, you know, we see like, oh, they're trying to go into AFib. Oh, they're in mm-hmm. AFib with RBR. Or, you know, like we can kind of mm-hmm. see these things. Um, but you, anyway, I think props to floor nurses like you. You got to, you know, you got to, they have great assessment skills. So totally. And like, I'm always, I, one thing I liked about when I was in Nevada is that I was on the rapid response code blue team, which I love. Like that is what I love doing the best. So I would love like, you know, all day long, I'd get calls, you know, sometimes it was just like, can you just come put eyes on my patient? And I'd come and I'd just like search through their chart and their labs and their vitals. And I'd be like, uh, maybe ask the doctor about this or that, but they weren't like actively crumping. Necessarily. Yeah. And then you'd get the like rapid response calls where they're like, it's chest pain. And I'm like, did you try the GI cocktail yet? Oh, right. <laughs> right. And they're like, oh. And so they're fine. But like, you know, sometimes you're like rushing somebody to like CT because there's a stroke alert or something like that. So it's just, you know, it's, it's, I'm super glad that they have that as an option because it's really helpful to be like, I just need somebody who's critical care skills to come look at this person. And yeah. Tell me what, if I'm, if I'm, if they're seeing what I'm seeing, I guess. I, I also did that for a few years and I loved it. It was my favorite job ever that I've ever, ever done. And, um, and again, like you're just helping people out. You're able to say like, oh, that's okay. Oh, that's not okay. Or, oh my God, I had one, <laughs> I had one person call me and they're like, 
I'm having trouble getting vital signs on my patient. I was like, oh no. <laughs> call a rap- I was like, call a rapid response. Like, I took the blue button. I know. I was like, I'm, I'm so. Um, that patient ended up dying and had a crit of seven. So anyway, oh, yeah. yeah, that was not, not a, not a good situation, but, um, no, no. um, but anyway, yeah, yeah, such a that's it's just such a fun job. One thing that you said about travel nursing, well, I want to get it. I want to get into the nitty gritty of it because for those of people out there that don't know this, like, how many orientation shifts do you get, Shannon, when you get hired on to a new place? <laughs> oh man, uh, this last time I got one, but I had been here before. So I was like familiar with the environment and the people and the flow. Um, I think the most I've ever had is two shifts shadowing a nurse. And it's not even really to like, it's not at all to teach you anything about being a nurse. It's just like, what are the codes to the doors? Here are where all the things are that you're going to need here. Do you have access to the Omnicell or the Pixis? Like here's where you find all of the provider's numbers for who you need to call. This is the place in the chart where you need to figure out who your patient's provider is. Like, those are the things you're learning. You're not learning like, this is how you start an IV or like put in an NG tube. It's not like that at all. You got to know all that shit. <laughs> right. You have to be super solid in your nursing practice before you go and do any travel nursing. Because two days later, you know, in that same week, sometimes that first week, you get like a few hours of orientation where you're like, here's our charting system. Okay, now you're on the floor. Okay, now you're on your own. <laughs> So you just got to know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I mean, I guess the other thing that I think that's super vital is like you, you have to be able to ask questions. You have to be able to lean on the people that are around you to survive. Do not be afraid to ask questions. I'm not ever. And I'll even preface it with like, I know this is going to sound really dumb or, oh my God, I know I'm so needy tonight and I have a million questions for you. And most of the time people are like, oh my God, just ask it, whatever it is. Like we'd rather help you. And so I, I, you know, I think maybe that's just because I feel like I'm being annoying, <laughs> but it's better to like be a squeaky wheel and get the right answers than it is to like, you know, go in and do something that could really hurt somebody or, you know, cause the problem where you lose your license. You don't want that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and then your contracts are for like third. Yeah. And the other thing is, yeah, travel nurses, you end up floating over regular staff. So you float all the time. You float to, to telemetry units, um, are, and sound, and sometimes inner hospital, which that sounds insane to me. Yeah. Like, so I, I, I'm like, where the hell's where, I mean, like you need the, anyway, I feel like thinking <laughs> about that makes me want to throw up, but, um, <laughs> yeah, I got kind of initiated early on because like my first assignment, I was first to float and it was between two campuses. So, you know, I've since worked at hospitals where that's not the case or where it's not necessarily that travelers are first to float. Mm -hmm. You just get into the grind with everybody else because everybody floats. Um, So yeah, that first hospital, I was just, I remember they, they call you at like nine 30, my shift starts at 11. So they call me at nine 30 and they're like, okay, you're going to IMCU over at the Berkeley campus. And I was like, can you tell me like the exact address of that location? Because I've never been there before. Right. Where do I park my car? <laughs> yeah, right. So first it's a first things bit, first. It's a little bit unnerving. Um, and then you walk in and you get to the front desk. And, you know, in the Bay Area, at least the hospitals I've worked at, like you, you can't just walk in to the hospital the way you can some places. You, there's like a front desk, you have to check in and they send you to the right place. And I was like, can you please tell me where the intensive care unit is? <laughs> so 
So yeah, Thank there's God. a lot of figuring it out. And yeah, it's, um, you know, I, at least from my experience, most places are really used to having travel nurses around and having them start relatively often. So for the most part, people are like, okay, we've got some travelers here. Have you been here before or no? And I'm like, never been here before. And so they're like, okay, let me take you around and show you what's going on. And oh, good. let me know if you have questions. And so it's, I mean, I've had relatively good experiences. Um, I mean, and that's just, I see you, like I'd go to telemetry, I go to med surge and the med surge nurses will be like, you're an ICU nurse from the Oakland campus. And I'm like, yeah, here I am. <laughs> Let's hang out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it was, it was funny. I didn't mind. I really didn't mind. Like I didn't, I think the only thing that bothered me was that like, because I floated so much into two places, I just didn't really get to know anyone super well. Mm-hmm. So I didn't make, I didn't really make a lot of like friends and that yeah. was kind of a drag, but yeah. What are you going to do? Oh my gosh. There was this one day we had, oh my God, you know, so I'm just going to say this. I'm charged, right? Mm-hmm. Um, a lot and, and, or, you know, whatever I do charge nursing and, and, um, you know, and I try to be really thoughtful of the assignments that we give our travel nurses. Um, especially if like they haven't been here before or it's like the write off orientation or we give three shifts of orientation just so you know, but that's nice. Um, and then, but anyway, this nurse, you know, she, her, both of her patients were like falling apart and, you know, she totally had a meltdown, which I understand, but she was like, I've just, you know, I've been here and I float every day and like, I haven't met anybody and I just like, am feel so alone. And I was just like, Oh my God. Um, we sent her home. So anyway, and we obviously talked, talked to her. She was from another unit. So we had her management talk to her, but, um, like that would be hard. That just speaks to the level of like, it would be hard to like make friends and stuff. Um, do you get like, I know some travel nurses travel together. Some people like become friends because they're, you know, travel nurses um, do you have other travel nurses that you travel with or are friends with? I feel like I've got a really awesome travel nurse community and I've, they're mostly people that I've met online. I mean, not, not exclusively. I mean, out in the, out travel nursing, out working as a nurse anywhere in the world, you probably meet travel nurses, but, um, and a few of them are super close friends of mine, but yeah, like I've met a lot of people. Um, I'm a part of this little group called travel nurse takeover on Instagram and Ooh. we we have a little group and we kind of are always in but not constant communication but weekly at the minimum and we kind of keep each other up to date on like what's going on and what kind of you know I'm thinking of this position or that position or you know and then friends of mine um just started an app for travel nurses called Medventure Ooh. and um there it's cool it's kind of like a social media to like connect travel nurses or traveling healthcare providers actually. Cause you know, any, any healthcare specialty can go on there, but I was in there beta testing and now it's live for any like Android or Apple. And anyway, Emily and Ryan doing a little plug for your app. Yay! <laughs> yeah. So awesome. yeah, if you're a traveling healthcare provider, check it out. Um, but yeah, you can kind of meet like local travelers in your area, even if you're not the same hospital, you don't necessarily always know who's a traveler and who's not in any specialty unless they like, you know, come out and tell you. So, um, it's cool. And I've, I've connected with a few people who are, uh, you know, here and where I am in California and just been like, okay, you know, like maybe we can like grab a drink or whatever. And 
something like that. I mean, you know, in normal times, it would be easier probably, but in pandemic right. times, it's like, uh, I don't know. See you on Zoom. <laughs> we'll go on, you want to go on a hike? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. That seems safe. <laughs> so, yeah. So um, anyway, that so that's cool. And then, um, I don't know, I've, I tend to really like the types of people, the type of person who does traveling healthcare, because I don't know, I feel, I feel like they're open, have a sense of adventure, like, like to meet people or, you know, kind of, you know, good people to chat with and have cool stories. And so, yeah, I really like, I really like meeting and chatting with other travelers and, um, in person or on the internet. Yeah. Any of those. That's awesome. That's awesome. Guys, check out uh, MedVenture. I'm, I'm, that's so. I'm like, I'm not a travel nurse, but I'm gonna check it out. Uh, yeah, you should. Yeah, you could totally join. If I ever become a travel nurse, I, I've, I wanted to. I never have, but um, maybe my 12 years of experience will. <laughs> Is it <laughs> <You're> too qualified? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, maybe I've got too too old in my w- ways. But no, anyway, uh, maybe. Um, okay. So we briefly touched on, this is not normal time. So this is not, this has not been normal. So what has been traveling like during the pandemic and working with COVID patients? How's that? How's that been? Um, uh, I remember around this time last year, um, we weren't getting, I'm way up in Northern California, like the North state. And so I, we just didn't get the surges the way like Seattle and the Bay area and New York city were getting. We were ready, like they started preparing the hospital, like canceling elective surgeries and like moving people around to cover for if, like if we did get a surge. And we just didn't while well, I was there um, here, I guess, because I'm back. But um, we did have a few and I just remember going to work every day, kind of with that like anxious new grad feeling that I was like, is today the day that I'm going to have to take care of COVID patients? Or then the next day is today the day. And I remember the day it happened the team leader that day comes up and goes, Shannon, I put you over with the COVID patient. And I was like, <gasps> okay, all right. Mentally preparing myself for what this means. I'm like, okay, we had, and that was back when we all used tappers all the time. So I was like, okay, we got tappers. I got my PPE. We would like put tons of nurses over there so that somebody could watch you don and doff your PPE, yeah. making sure you were doing it correctly and not cross contaminating anything. And I honestly, they made you record how long you spent in the room each time. And like, we don't do any of that anymore. But like, <laughs> back then we were so, we just didn't know what we didn't know. And so it was pretty scary. And, you know, I, I, I do know that one patient survived. Uh, she ended up traked and pegged and went to long-term care and got better. And then she was on our local news talking about her experience. And anyway, um, not everybody who came through was that lucky, obviously. Um, but it was like, it was pretty scary the first time to be like, okay, COVID patients. When yeah. that contract ended, I finished that contract at the end of May and I moved on to a small community hospital down on the central coast. And <laughs> they were desperate for nurses um, because they had just had a surge. So oh, um, wow. yeah, they had a, they had a local, they have a prison in their town that had a massive outbreak and this small, oh, like 60 bed community hospital was trying to help service this like 2,500, you know, inmate prison system. And it was just not working out. So I get there at the beginning of June and they're like, you should have been here in March and April because we were just inundated with COVID and they still had them, but it felt like more like regular pace by the time I got there. So I felt like I didn't get the surge where I was. And then I had just missed the surge where I went. So it was just like this odd experience to, 
to sort of like go through. And yeah, I did, I did continue on taking care of COVID patients through that assignment through the summer. Yeah. But it was, um, it, you know, and it's different because people have different supplies and they have different setups and how do you guys do your negative pressure rooms and you know, what yeah. PPE do you have and is there enough? <laughs> yeah. Um, so did you ever feel like you were unsafe? Like where you were ever? You know, I, I was doing the reusing of N95s, but it was never for more than a shift and oh, never uh-huh. had shortages the way I heard some people had shortages. Um, I remember this time last year at the very beginning of pandemic. And I, so I went to school in New York. And so a lot of my friends work in New York hospitals and they were just getting inundated. So people were donating, like people, friends of mine were like donating PPE to me. And uh, one girl sent me like 25 and 95 masks. And I was like, well, we have those where I work. So I shipped them to my friend in New York City. And I was like, please use these. And I hope it helps. And she got the package and she was like, oh, my God, thank you for sending this. (laughs) Because it was just really bad over there. And I mean, like clearly lots of hospital systems were just not prepared for that sort of need. I mean, I I think the only time I'd used an N95 mask in like my whole career before COVID was like very a few times for like a TB patient. Yeah. And that was it. Like, it just was so rare. Yeah, it was, it's rare. It's, it's scary to have to use like that maximum level of personal protective equipment. It feels scary. Cause you're like, well, protecting myself. Oh shit. You know, like how, how bad is it? Um, I listened to, I was listening to NPR this morning and there was a little, they did a story, um, a piece about, I need to write. I found anyway. Um, they there's someone's doing a project about the 3,600 healthcare workers who died, uh, and like the most infuriating thing about this is like they don't even know for sure if the if there really have been if there's more than 3,600 people. H- healthcare systems are letting. I don't know. It's going to the private sector to figure out who's died. Um, not, it's not like, I'm like, where's, I don't need to be like, why is the American nursing association, like not talking about this or like, why, why don't we have, why don't we really know for sure how many people have died? Like, I'm going to say this, um, you know, we didn't not in the beginning, we were telling people if they're in an aerosolizing procedure and also if they're, you know, vented or whatever, you use PAPR. But if they're not, a simple mask and eye protection is okay. But then we found out that, like, um, hello, if they're coughing, if they're whatever, like, you're going to, you can get um, COVID from that. And so people were exposed and they fucking died. Um, yeah. And so I just, I'm just like, um, angry. I guess Same. is the word that like, Same. we don't even know for sure. And all these people were not protected in the beginning and we should have never had to put, we, we, we should have never had to pe- put people in that position. Um, and so they lost their lives fighting, fighting. It's just infuriating. Sorry to go off remember? on a tangent. No, I was actually going to, uh, do you remember when the CEC like, changed their policy and it was based on like 
you know, PPE, not based on like, yes, or based on like how much PPE was available, not based on actual science. And it was like, well, you can use a N95. But if you can't have that, then you can use a surgical mask. Well, if you can't have that, why don't you use a bandana or a scarf to cover your mouth? And I was just like, wow, CDC. Yeah, (laughs) I do. Yeah. I remember. I was so mad. I was like, I don't know if I'll ever trust you again because that is such bullshit. Yes. Absolute bullshit. Yeah. I mean, and our administration didn't help because they had their no hands in that whole thing. Um, so oh man. Anyway, I mean, uh, I could go on and on about like how it's capitalism's fault or something, but I probably won't do that. (laughs) I mean, profit over people, right? That's really what it's it's been. Yeah. That's the American way. It's fucked up. Yeah. Um, I agree. Sorry. I, I'm, well, I'm not going to apologize. Um, for, um, I, um, as you were in California and like this, when was the crazy surge? It was like, was it the summer? And well, no, there were, I guess there were a few the summer in the fall, there was a crazy surge. And then we had the January, like November, December, January surge, um, did that affect you at all? Like wherever you were, like, um, in terms of like, I mean, just the putting the pressure on nursing and staffing and all that stuff. Like, did you feel the pinch and the burn from that? I know. Right. Um, so like when I mentioned that hospital, I was at this past summer where the prison had the outbreak, Luckily, yeah. the prison had created like a field hospital on site. So like anyone who could need needed six liters of oxygen or less could stay there and didn't have to come to the little hospital I was at. And I think that helped a lot. Um, and just, yeah, when we got critically ill, I think it really scared the community um, like that in that town because people were staying home and being really cautious and wearing masks. And so I think that like, I think that saved that little town from having any major outbreaks after the prison outbreak. Um, so while I did take care of COVID and felt like I was doing COVID nursing pretty much every week, um, it wasn't like that surge level feeling I was having, plus it was a small town and it had felt like relatively contained. Um, so when I went, I went on to the Bay area again, after that, this fall, I was in the Bay area again, and I actually, I got hired to, um, a neurotrauma ICU and like, they had a lot of COVID at this hospital, but the med surge ICU nurses did the COVID nursing for the most part. Mm-hmm. So I floated occasionally. And then, like you said, with the surge, I felt the surge right after Thanksgiving. So I wasn't doing a lot of COVID nursing for the first like month and a half of that contract. I was doing just regular neurotrauma or regular medical surgical nursing, ICU nursing. And then after Thanksgiving, I floated to COVID ICU a lot more. and I finished that contract like the second week of January and I worked COVID a lot towards like all the way through that Um, because I think you know people gathered at Thanksgiving people gathered at Christmas and we just saw some horrifying things Um, (sighs) and like we had a whole we have these two units that are like they're two two separate units technically but there's no real divide between them and it's just one super long hallway and it was all COVID. And so if you've ever seen a COVID unit hallway, it's like ventilator screens outside the room and IV poles outside the room. So it's just a whole hallway of that. <laughs> and it's just like nurses milling about putting on PPE and taking off PPE. And I don't know, it's just like people knocking on the glass, like, Hey, can you get me <laughs> yeah. some chalks and a wipe? <laughs> 
right. can you get me my you know what I mean? It was just like yes. it was a lot of that. And like same with the aerosolizing procedures, you know, which is silly to me. In theory, if you have an N ninety five, it should be fine all the time. But they say, Oh no, you want you should wear a capper or a papper when you go in if you're gonna do like I had my patient needed to get a trach and a peg one day at the bedside. So I was like, Okay, well, let me don all the stuff I'm supposed to wear and Yeah. So we did and um yeah, I felt I felt super anxious about taking care of COVID patients pretty much up until I was fully vaccinated. And I got vaccinated December 18th was my first shot. It was like the third day it was available. And I was like, me, pick me. <laughs> I'll do it. That's my date. Yay. Oh my God, we're twins. Did you get yeah. Pfizer? Pfizer. Yes. Woo. Yeah. What day was your second day? Oh, I think it was the 9th of January. Okay. Mine was the 6th, but um, that's awesome. Yeah. We were in the first, I don't know, thou- yeah. like a couple of thousand, whatever, 10,000 yeah. people probably. I don't know. But, I was yeah. like, please, please vaccinate me. I will absolutely be first in line. <laughs> and now, I mean, I just spent the last three days taking care of COVID patients and I don't feel anxious about it at all anymore. It's really just like another day of going to work. It's just that I have to don and dock PPE. All yeah, the time. And, you, and you still take it seriously because obviously, absolutely, you know, I mean, not doing so would be reckless, but like that level of fear and like, you don't have to be scared anymore yep. to do your job. That was exactly right. I felt so scared and nervous and anxious. Like, you know, you could, did I have an exposure? Oh gosh, a few days later, I have a little sniffle. Oh my God, do I have COVID? And like, that never happened. Like knock on wood, I never got COVID and now I'm vaccinated. So even if I got it, like the chances of it being severe are just slim to none. So yeah, it's totally, it's totally radically changed how I feel about taking care of COVID patients and even just going to work in general. Like the anxiety about the pandemic has diminished almost to nothing because yeah, I know so much more. I, you know, I just know I'm so much more protected. Yeah. It's, it's like my friend Christina said on one of her episodes, she said, it's the best PPE we have. Oh, I love that. It's so true. It's Isn't so it? true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm so, I'm so happy that you're, that you're vaccinated and, and that, um, you feel so much safer and that, um, yeah, it feels like there might be hope. I'm yeah. holding on for hope. If we just don't, if we don't fuck it up too bad. Yeah. Um, I think maybe this summer could be different. I mean, yeah. if we continue at the pace of vaccinations, um, I know yeah. we're still at like 60, 70,000 cases a day and some states aren't oh. helping the cause. Um, I know. I just saw the Oops. governor of California posted that 20 million Californians have been vaccinated and our numbers continue to drop and they're aiming to open the economy up hundred percent June 15th if they can continue on their vaccination rate. And so we'll see. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would be cool. Yeah. Oh, actually I wanted to tell you, mm. I got to work a vaccine clinic um, a couple of weeks ago and it was an extra shift for me, but I was like, Yes, I would love to give vaccines all day long. So I did. And we, we held it at the local community college. And I did give a few shots. Um, but I was mostly overseeing nursing students doing the shots. And um, it was just such this like, feeling of joy in the place. And it was such a nice change from like ICU nursing, which is not super joyful most of the time. <laughs> but all these people are coming to you like with their arm, their sleeve up, like, I'm ready. 
I'm ready. Go ahead and jab me. And I'm like, you got it. <laughs> Let me sign your paper. <laughs> yeah. So it was just so nice. And I don't know, there was just this, I don't, this, this feeling of people being like, God, I feel like I'm so happy. People were so happy to do their part. And when they find out you're a nurse, they're like, thank you so much for all the things you've probably been through this year and all the stuff you've done. And you're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you're welcome, I guess. <laughs> yeah. That, that I mean, fun. that's so fun. It, I, I mean, I totally agree with you. I've done a little bit of time in the vaccine clinic and, um, yeah, it's just so like, I mean, actually I hurt my back. So I did a little bit of light duty in the, mm. you know, for like mm-hmm. a month and, um, it was great. It was awesome. Like everyone was just so stinking happy all the time. And, uh, anyway, it was rad. It was yeah. rad. Yeah. It, and again, such a nice change. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I know. But, yeah. What a different vibe. I was like, man, could I have a, could I have a job Full-time like this? Like yeah. way less stress. This is great. I love, I would come to work every day happy. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So what do you think? I mean, you talked about it a tiny bit, but like, so what's next? You're going to take a break. You, um, contemplating, I don't know, future, future state. Like what, anyway, what's, yeah. what do you think? I, so I think what kind of got me through this last year was I started therapy last June and that has like, I go to weekly therapy. It's just a phone call to my therapist and I actually have it today. I have therapy today with Carol. I love Carol. Yay! And I, it really has, I mean, aside from helping me with pandemic anxiety and state of the world anxiety, it's actually helped me process like a lot of things in my life. So I spent the summer was pretty lonely for me because I left like you know, the person I'd been dating and I left like my roommate and her dog and I went to live in this place where I didn't know anybody. And, you know, it's the pandemic. So it's hard to make friends and meet people. Oh, and yeah. I just never, and I was working night shifts on top of that. So I was just like, I just never been so lonely in my life. And it was just right around the time I started therapy. And I was just like, what are the odds? So <laughs> I did that and, um, it helped a lot. And then I ended up coming back to I actually took some time off at the very end of summer, early fall and um, did some, yeah, I just been doing a lot of soul searching and uh, my partner who I'd been with, we actually eloped in October and we got oh. married in October. <laughs> and so, um, congratulations. He, thanks. Thank you. And I, um, I also uh, had known myself for 11 years, but I came out to my family. I'm bisexual. So I like did all this soul searching with my therapist and, all of that kind of happened in the fall. So it was just sort of an eventful fall time to like <laughs> kind of really yeah. feel like I was coming into my own a little bit yeah. and um, figuring all that out and being open and honest about it. So that was really cool. And then, yeah, so now I have a husband and I, I don't know, that word still feels weird. Sometimes I just call my partner or my spouse or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, we bought a house up here in the North State and uh, we closed in January and moved in in February. So that's where I am now. And um Fun. But he also has property up in Idaho, and I got my nursing license up there. So I'm considering maybe an assignment up there if I still feel like I can do IC nursing um, at some point this year. But I also have my Washington license, and I have, you know, always wanted to take an assignment up there. I've, I've had it for over a year, and I've still not made it up there. So one of these days. <laughs> well, I will say, um, not that you you would, yes, if you ever came, um <laughs> A lot of our travel nurses sign on. <laughs> yes. Um, there's a phrase that Seattle is where travel nurses go to die. Oh, really? 
<laughs> I didn't know that, but now the that makes sense. The homeowners love Seattle and then they never leave. Okay. Okay. Good to know. And now that makes a lot of sense. Um, well, that sounds so fun. You have a lot on your horizon that you could do. And um, that's so cool. I mean, I think that's one thing that's so rad about travel nursing, right? Like you could yeah. just, the world is your oyster. Yeah. And I am the pearl. You are. <laughs> Uh, no, it's true. And I, you know, even though I am contemplating like a specialty change, maybe away from bedside, I don't really know what that would mean or look like. Um, and like, I'm not sure that I really would want to give up ICU permanently. So like, that's why I was thinking of per diem or something. But yeah, I don't really know what the future has in store. But I'm really excited to, you know, spend some time really not at the bedside for the next couple weeks or longer and figure that out. And yeah. You know, be, being a vaccinated person, like my parents are vaccinated now. And like, you know, a lot of my friends are nurses, so we are all vaccinated. So it's like, I feel like I can actually spend time with people that I love and yes. safe. And so, yeah, that hope, <sighs> Thank God. that hope you're feeling, I'm feeling it. I totally feel it. Yes. I have this like strong urge to hug you. I want to like hug <laughs> you through the, through the computer. Like, uh, I'm, a, I'm a hugger. I love hugs. I'm a I'll hugger. Hug I'm a hugger. <laughs> Someday we'll um, meet in real life and I'll give you a big hug. Yes. I, IRL. IRL, as they say. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my gosh, Shannon. It's been so fun talking to you. It's so great. Yeah, so, it's great. It's so fun. So fun to meet you over, you know, Zoom. And I yeah. hope that maybe again, like, yeah, I'd love to hang out in person. Um, cool. My dream, I don't know if this would ever happen, but my dream is to like have a big party where all the guests of the show are coming together but like anyway we'll that see. would be so fun it'll be fun yeah um, you have some cool guests on I, I like i like hearing all the the perspectives of everybody who comes on your show you got some good people out there so thank awesome. you i just had i know you haven't listened to it yet but i just had an amazing conversation i might cut this out but i had an amazing conversation with our la- my last guest about medical errors and like why they happened and like mm. it was so just ri- a riveting, riveting conversation. So I I'm saw like, your post about it. So I'll have to check that one out. I haven't I was, listened to it yet. So, I mean, I'm like, I pinch myself cause it like, it's just been so great to have like these cool conversations, real conversations, um, that we don't always get to talk about, you know? Totally. So and it's like, it can sometimes feel really taboo, but like at the end of the day, we are human beings. And to air is human. Like, it's not like we're going out of our way to like hurt people. It's like, we're just humans trying to get through our shifts sometimes, you know? Yeah, totally. So, um, do you have any closing thoughts for anybody out there in podcast land to the listeners? Um, if they, maybe if they want to, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. I was going to say, if, if, if you're thinking about nursing and you haven't jumped into it yet, Um, I think it's a really cool career and it can take you a lot of places and you have so many options within it. So even though we're talking about how wild ICU nursing is, there's, it's not like that everywhere. It can be, it can be like a school nurse or a hospice nurse or home care. And it's just a totally different vibe. So there's just so much out there. So if nursing is what you want to do, go for it. But travel nursing, I think what saved me from some burnout um, these last couple of years, because I really do thrive on, like meeting new people and 
trying, I really do like to try to learn in new environments because I feel like nurses who have worked one place forever just only know that certain thing. And then, you know, you can come in and be like, hey, have you seen this this way? Or, you know, like maybe we can, I just like to learn, like, especially you get yeah. to a new place and they have different stuff and you're like, oh, like, let me learn about that. That's so cool. So it's really cool. And yeah, if it's something you've been thinking about and you haven't taken the leap yet, I think it's totally worthwhile. And if for some reason you really hate it, after 13 weeks, you can go back to doing what you're doing if you like that better. And it's just, there's always options out there for nurses. There just always is so many options. So yeah, yeah, that's a very true statement. That's very <laughs> true. I just, man, what a pleasure. It's just been so great um, to talk to you. And uh, gosh, what a great, fun, fun last hour. So awesome. <laughs> well, thank um, you so much for having me. Thank you so much, Shannon. I'm going to close this out by saying stay safe and stay sane, and I'll see you on the next one. Sounds good. You too. Thanks so much for tuning in today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and leave an honest review on whatever platform you are listening. Also, feel free to share this with your nursing colleagues. If you'd like to email me, you can do so at founddownpodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to send in any stories. Just make sure they're HIPAA compliant. Also, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at founddownpodcast. We'll see you on the next one.